You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 392 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening, this time around March 27th. We're almost opening day, and I am joined on today's podcast, and as usual, by Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. Hey, Brad. Good to be on with you. Nice to have some real-life baseball games right around the corner. And before we start, I actually want to throw you a little bit of curveball. Oh, I no. did not prep you for this. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot, but it's it's. I think you'll like the question. Is this the most anticipated Brave season this century? Ooh, that is a good question. And yeah, there was not warning on this. So Scott uh, pulling tricks on me early in the podcast. I, mean, I think the, that might be true. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll let you gather your thoughts because I was thinking about it a little bit earlier. But um, clearly, this is a really, really good team. Um, they have two legitimate Cy Young candidates. They have three, maybe four legitimate MVP candidates in the lineup. The bullpen might be the best in the game, at least uh, based on the projections. So I was I was trying to come up with the team, I guess, last year with coming off the World Series. Uh, but even then, there were some questions, and it was a team that won 88 games the year before. So I'm, I'm kind of in that camp, but I'm curious to get your take. Yeah, I think – it probably is. I'm trying not to be revisionist and avoiding old stuff. You know, you know, I've been Carmen's team for a long time. I think last year would be the primary competitor, like you just said, because they had just won the World Series, obviously. But I think, again, this is not a negative, but I think most people, especially nationally, did not believe the Braves were the best team the year before. And they didn't enter the season as the favorite the, to repeat. You know what I mean? Whereas this year, I feel like a lot of people are picking the Braves to win the World Series. Um, not that that's like crazy out of the, out of the blue or anything like that, but I think the projections like the Braves better now than they did before last year. Um, they had just followed it up because, you know, two years ago they won 88 games before they won in the World Series, whereas last year they won 101 games and were that good of a baseball team. So, yeah, I think it's a good question. I think that yeah, might be the right answer. Even if I had thought about this to this point, like the buzz is pretty significant. You know, they, they broke attendance records last year. Like there's lots of buzz in the city. I know you don't live here, but like I think it's a different kind of anticipation now almost because they didn't win it last year. It's like, all right, no, let's get back there and win it again. So uh, I like where your head's at, Scott. Yeah, it it feels that way to me. I mean, this team, yes, it was a spring training game. We're recording this on Monday, but I mean, just to see the lineup at full strength on Monday afternoon, I think they hit four home runs in a couple of innings. I mean, just across the board, there are so few glaring weaknesses with this roster. And sure, things can get weird over 162 games in six months, and let's hope the team is healthy and and performing like we hope. Uh, But I really am. I mean, I'm excited for opening day every single year, whether it's today or 
you know, like in 2017, where they were in the worst of the rebuild. Uh, but nonetheless, it's it's a, uh, I mean, just a really, really good roster. And I think it's going to be a fun team to watch too. Yeah, a good time to remember that Carlos Claus and I launched this podcast in the middle of a terrible rebuild when uh, in 2016, when they were winning 68 games and then 72 the next year and all that fun stuff. And now it's a much different tenor on the podcast. Uh, you kind of alluded to it. We did, we're recording this podcast a day later than usual, at least for our normal Sunday night slot, in part because opening day is Thursday. I want to be a little bit closer to that. Also, I was doing some you know, co- some basketball coverage over the weekend and our, our pal Sean Coleman stepped in. So if you're not subscribing to this podcast, we certainly encourage you to go ahead and do that. It's uh, more than just us. We have Sean doing the Daily Hammer. We have um, Chris and Steven doing the podcast to be named later as well, all for the price of $0. And it's a great time. If there's ever a better time, I'm, I'm not sure what it would be than to start the season. So go ahead and subscribe and rate and review all that fun stuff. And uh, we'll kind of do the news at the top of the, po- uh, top of the podcast today. And then uh, we'll give our yearly annual uh, predictions that usually get stuff wrong at the end of the show. That, that's part of the fun of our last episode before opening day actually arrives. Um, a lot of the news has been at least touched on by either Chris or Steven or Sean, but just some stuff to run through here. Officially, the rotation is kind of set. Kyle Wright's going to be on the IL. He was placed there officially today. Um, it's going to be Schuster and Dodd both pitching in the early going. Uh, that would have uh, been a, a large Las Vegas upset a couple of weeks ago to say, hey, do you think that both Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd will, will pitch games in the first week of the season? That would have uh, been kind of a stunner, but uh, I'm not sure where you are. Like, I guess the worry would be that Wright is dinged up a little bit, but he looks to be kind of okay, just kind of behind schedule and not a huge shock as a result. I think with Wright, the encouraging thing was the stuff looked much better in his start over the weekend. Uh, his first spring start, which was about a week ago now, was not particularly sharp. Um, the velocity was down a bit as he progressed, but as we know, it was his first start of the spring, and you're really just wanting to see him out there, get his work in, and, and be done with it. So the fact that he faced a pretty standard lineup against the Minnesota Twins over the weekend. The fastball was sitting in the mid-90s, as it usually does, and the breaking stuff was there, which was really encouraging. Uh, And with both Schuster and Dodd, like you just noted, I don't think anyone necessarily had those guys in the starting rotation a month ago, but they've both pitched so well. They, they've they won the job, and really it's it's now the real question is, and it might be an, a question that gets answered on its own over the next few weeks, but who stays in the rotation whenever Wright returns? It sounds like Wright is going to be back for that first homestand of the year in Atlanta. Officially, he has 15 days on the IL as of today, so it's April 11th or 12th is when he's due back. Uh, But if either Schuster or Dodd or even both, but really you just need one of them to really cement themselves in the back end of the rotation and they're going to be in really good shape. Yeah, I do wonder if it'll come down to just who pitches better in in this in that very small sample size or where they they actually have a preference. You know, I'm sure the Braves know more than they would say now about like who they maybe prefer to keep in the rotation. But if someone goes out and throws well and the other guy struggles, that might have the decision made for them. We'll see on that. But yeah, Wright should be back hopefully in a couple of weeks, and uh, they do have the luxury of having some depth there. 
Um, we'll get into kind of how it breaks down later on, but the schedule is uh, at least the first series. Schuster being able to face the Nationals is a nice gift for him. Dodd does not have that same luxury, having to go face the Cardinals on the road, a much better team than Washington. So that might be a little bit of a competitive advantage for Schuster in that battle. And uh, Schuster going first might be uh, also an indication of some sort as well. But anyway, those guys are going to be in the mix early on. And uh, fingers crossed on your guy, Kyle Wright, your uh, your patron saint of this podcast, because yeah. uh, you, are, you are the guy, you are the Kyle Wright guy, of course. I am. And it was encouraging to hear Kyle say a couple of weeks ago that his shoulder feels better than it has. I believe he said over the last two years uh, he received, I don't know if it was a cortisone injection or some kind of injection in his shoulder in January. So we're two months removed, almost three, three months removed now. Uh, but we we know what he was able to do last year. And if his shoulder was not a hundred percent last summer, I think he might've missed a start or two there. Um, it's, you know, if he's feeling better than all, you know, and, and the Braves are in a good position here because we know this team is just so deep and so talented. You know, they can be smart with Kyle Wright and bring him along a little bit slower and be careful with Rysel Iglesias, who we're going to talk about in a little bit in his shoulder issue. Uh, you obviously don't want pitchers to start popping up with shoulder issues all over the place. But as we know, it is such a long year. Uh, better to be safe than sorry and, and really let these guys get to be 100% before they hit the majors. Yeah, and one note on right that you kind of alluded to it earlier, like the fact that he was just behind schedule makes everything look worse. Like you talked about his first outing. Part of that always is that you're facing guys who have been playing for the last three, four weeks and you haven't been doing anything. So you're already behind the eight ball. So no reason to be terribly concerned at this point. And now that he's, uh, I guess, looking like himself. Feeling healthy and all that, that's uh, much more important than his actual spring results. Um, speaking of Iglesias, uh, on the IL, not a huge surprise. Not, it's been a few days now. Uh, Low-grade shoulder inflammation, that's a positive, that it's not a more serious thing on paper. They do have AJ Minter, who seems to be very likely to be the closer of sorts early in the season. Um, the depth, ha- having the depth there is just great. And like a lot of teams would be in deep trouble without Iglesias. And look, he is their best reliever. So if he's not right, that is going to be a problem. But in the short term, it's not that big of a deal because they have Minter and they have the depth that they have at the bullpen. Yeah, and full confidence in A.J. Minter. He, of course, had that role once upon a time. It's been a yeah. few years now. Feels like another planet. But and once upon a time, he was in that role, was pretty good. Um, so he's not someone who you're going to worry about. He gets stage fright going out there in the ninth inning. And, and then the bullpen depth is awesome. We're going to talk about Nick Anderson here in a minute, but – you know, guys like Anderson and Jackson Stevens and Michael Tonkin, and those dudes are like seventh, eighth, ninth on the pecking order in the bullpen right now. Now, those are especially Anderson if he's healthy and, and uh, Jackson Stevens if he's healthy. Now, those guys would be very prominently featured in a lot of bullpens. And with the depth that the Braves have assembled, you know, they're going to be more middle inning, early inning type of guys. That, that's really enviable, and we've said it on this podcast once, and we'll, we'll say it again. Uh, bullpens have a lot of movement throughout the year. Guys get hurt. Guys have a bad couple of weeks. Uh, you're going to need the depth, and hopefully Iglesias is back sooner rather than later. Uh, but because there are so many arms down there, I really don't think it's something we're going to notice all that much. Yeah, unless he's not healthy in a few weeks, and that then it becomes more of an issue, but I totally agree with that. Uh, I'm going to say a name right now that I don't think I've ever said out loud, and that is the name of Michael Tonkin, who projects to be on the opening day roster. That was not on my radar even a couple of uh, weeks ago. And it seems like, number one, he's not been officially announced on the opening day day roster, I should say, as we record this podcast, but that's the widespread assumption and the reporting 
And it seems like it's has a lot to do with him being out of minor league options. Um, he's a 33 year old right-hander um, has been out of the majors since 2017. So that's a long time. He did pitch in Gwinnett last year and pitched pretty well was in Japan at one point a few years ago. So a journeyman for sure. And then you talked about Anderson, who's had a great spring and he's going to be on, on the roster. And he actually took Kyle Wright spot as of today. Um, I, I mean, I don't really care that much about who's in, who's in the last spot in the bullpen, but the name Michael Tonkin was not on the radar. And I think, um, do you agree? It seems like it might just be like it's easy to move on from him if they need to, because if they cut him now with no options, you just lose him. Whereas if you have him stick around, even if he doesn't pitch in the first few days, if something else happens, you can kind of hang on to him. Yeah, it's never a bad thing to have depth. He's He's been around for a while, had some pretty good strikeout numbers last year, although control seems to be a bit of an issue. But sure, if there is an injury, let's hope not. But if some kind of injury comes up the first weekend, you probably want to keep as many live arms around as you can. Um, you know, he's someone at age 33. The Braves might be able to outright him to Gwinnett if they have to uh, try to sneak him through waivers. I could be wrong. I don't think half of the teams in the league are going to be lining up to sign Michael Tonkin. I could be wrong, but he, to me, feels like someone, if they're able to get him through, you keep him warm in Gwinnett. Maybe he sees another, gets another chance this summer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Nick Anderson, I think, for, for folks who maybe don't know or haven't followed along a ton, followed along a ton over the offseason, you know, he's going to feature pretty prominently in the bullpen if he is healthy. Anderson was awesome with the Tampa Bay Rays a few years ago, but he really hasn't pitched in almost two full seasons now. Last time he threw was in 2020, but the stuff is great. 14 strikeouts in 10 innings this spring, low ERA. The stuff is really good. So if he can stay healthy, I think the Braves have really found someone, and he's someone who could absolutely pitch seventh, eighth innings, uh, especially if Iglesias is going to be down for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the Braves have done this strategy where they've kind of bought bought low on some guys with injury injury histories where they have high upside. Like Kirby Yates is the other option on this kind of archetype where they gave him some real money, but Kirby Yates was once a dominant reliever. Nick Anderson was once a dominant reliever, and you're kind of just hoping this stuff comes back. And he, and he looks like himself right now. You don't want to expect too much from Nick Anderson, but still the fact that he's looked like he has to this point gives them even more depth. Another guy with some considerable, like he, he could be really in the mix for like the eighth inning or seventh inning at times this year. Like he's not going to be, uh, we should keep projecting to be better than Minter or, or, or Glacius, but he could realistically be the third best, like truly pitcher in the bullpen this year. That would not be a huge surprise. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like his stuff is that good to where if he's actually quote unquote back, he might be like their best seventh inning guy, which is uh says a lot, but it really is. is I think it's in play. Yeah, I think so. And we, I mean, if you look at fan graphs, which just to kind of put a bow on the bullpen fan graphs released, it's uh bullpen rankings today. And they've been doing position by position over the last week. Uh, the Braves bullpen by a mile is projected <laughs> to be the best yeah. unit in the league. Obviously, it's just projections. We'll see where things stand in six months. But um, there's just a ton of depth here. Um, I pointed out the other day, I think the Gwinnett bullpen has a legitimate chance at being better than the Washington Nationals bullpen. And one of the Fangraphs <laughs> staff writers actually did a, a side-by-side comparison using their depth charts. And even he was like, yeah, this this might actually track. Um, granted, the, the Nationals have a horrendous bullpen, 
Um, but I mean, that, that again, just kind of goes to the amount of arms, not only they're going to be in Atlanta to begin the year, but waiting in Gwinnett, I guarantee at some point, one of these guys who we think is going to have a good year is going to get hurt. He's going to be uh, struggling, whatever it is. And they're going to have to call on somebody else. And it's kind of that next man up mentality. Yeah. I mean, today, I think two thirds or more of the major league bullpen threw in the same game today. Like they all threw an inning. There was no starter today in the, in the spring game. They all look good. It's one spring game. Who cares? But uh, yeah, it's a reminder that everyone kind of losing this bullpen and bullpens are volatile for sure. But uh, you can't really construct a bullpen that's much better than this on paper. And uh, figure, basically just cross your fingers at this point and hope that it all holds up because it does look good and what we can tell at this point. Um, last thing on the news front, it's kind of old news now, but I feel like it's still a very large talking point. And people were asking us both. I know you got these uh, requests, as I did on Twitter um, in the last few days about the shortstop situation and reactions to that. It kind of happened after we recorded last. And uh, at the time, all of the indications were, including a quote from Brian Snicker that said flatly that they were going to take either Vaughn Grissom or Braden Schumick with them to Atlanta this year. And uh, spoiler alert, that, that, that did not happen. Both, both guys were sent down. Um, and, uh, you know, we don't have to give like the whole dissertation here. It's been covered at length by other people, but uh, I have to ask you, Scott, what did you, uh, think of this? Because it certainly got a lot of reactions, positive, negative, confused, all that in the last uh, week or so. Yeah. Um, you know, at this point, it's just, I think everybody has probably formed their opinion, um, now that it's been almost a week, which is kind of crazy. Um, you know, for me, the Braves went out of their way all off season long to hype up Von Grissom to anybody who would write about it. I mean, I think they provided quotes to the athletic and the AJC and braves.com and everybody else in between to talk about how good of an off season he was and how Ron Washington was ready for Vaughn to take the job. And obviously that was more, I think, positioning from the front office probably and in, in free agency and any trade negotiations. Uh, the fact that they're rolling with Orlando Arcia is a is a pretty big gamble. I know the rest of the roster is really good, but shortstop is such a premium position. Uh, Arcia, as listeners know, is not exactly someone who's been doing this really well for years. Uh, he once once upon a time he was a starting shortstop with the Brewers, and of course he's been in a bench role for the better part of the last couple of years in Atlanta. Um, you know, really is just a bit of a surprise it, from the outside. It didn't feel like Grissom had done anything to lose the job. And then there was the maybe 72 hours where Braden Shoemake was the the future MVP of the National League, if you listen <laughs> to beat writers around the team. And then all of a sudden, you noted Brian Snitker said, uh, we're going to take one of Shoemaker Grissom. And then maybe 24, 48 hours later, it's, oh, actually, we're rolling with Orlando Arcia and Shoemake and Grissom are going down to Gwinnett. It was a very odd week and and obviously – these things are fluid and can change by by the day, by the hour. Um, but similarly to Schuster and Dodd being in the starting rotation, I really don't think at any point I thought that Arcia was going to be the short, starting shortstop. Yeah, I mean, we could probably do a half hour of this and we won't. Um, I had several issues. You got to a couple of them. The fact that it was framed by some, and I won't name names, there's no reason to do that, um, about this being not a surprise is just insane. Like, I would direct everyone to just take a look what in your spare time and all of the public messaging that you talked about, all the reporting from people that are plugged into the team 
And then to take a step back and say, oh, this, this, this is not a surprise at all. It's like kind of disingenuous. It's pretty, pretty silly to me that that was framed that way by some. It is a surprise, even especially with the snicker quote that was literally right before it happened. Um, you know, you could say that RC is the safe choice. Um, I don't know if I would frame it that way, but that's probably the framing they would go with. Um, in part because he hasn't played shortstop really at all for, what, two years? He's played 24 innings of shortstop with the Braves in two seasons. So, like, I don't know if we know he's going to be awesome defensively. I think he, I think he's going to be fine. But, you know, it's not like he is Ozzie Smith defensively with the glove. And Arcia has been a better hitter with Atlanta than he had been previously. He has a 94 WRC plus in the last two years. If he just does that, he'll, he will not be embarrassing at all. And that, that's perfectly fine. It's not going to be great by any means. But the problem is he was pretty bad before that. And I think there is this still this notion that we've talked about probably for two years now, you and I, about like, you know, when he looks good, he looks really good. And people get really excited and you kind of just have to like throw out all the numbers because he's never been a good hitter in the major leagues. Um, he's been last year. He was OK, which is a nice step forward, but he's not like, he's not a young guy anymore either. So anyway, I mean, the, I'm more interested now almost in like what he's going to be able to give them. And I think that he will be fine. I'm not panicking my Arcia, but really the thing that drives me to crazy is and I wonder what you think about this. Is like if this was the plan all along, if this wasn't a surprise, quote unquote, to some, like, why didn't they just go sign someone? I don't really understand that. That's my thing. Like, if if it wasn't going to be Grissom, and the way you said it earlier was perfect, and that they did seemingly try to shift things toward, hey, Grissom's our guy at shortstop. If that wasn't going to be the plan, because I don't think Grissom lost the job in spring, unless there's something off the field that we don't know about. He played fine in the spring. There was one report from Peter, from Peter Gammons of all people about him having like kind of a hernia issue that the beat guys immediately discounted as not being real. So who knows there? But like if if the, if the job wasn't going to be Grissom's unless he flopped, he didn't flop. So like the thought process doesn't doesn't really hang true to me. Like I don't understand how we got here. And that's, that's not even about Arcia. It's more like just the messaging does not hang together if you kind of look at it for more than five seconds to say okay Grissom plays well in the spring and still gets sent to Gwinnett and they didn't add anybody in the offseason and now you're rolling with RC and Adrianza and then there was floating about Adrianza being the reason in some respects so they, they didn't want to lose him like okay that doesn't make sense so anyway I've said, I've said a lot of things there but like it was more confusion for me than anything else yeah it, just a very weird collection of events uh, again, from the outside, we're not in the clubhouse. We, yes. We're not. Sadly, we're not in those meetings with Anthopolis in his front office every morning. Though I would, I'd, love like, to. I'd like to be. That'd be fun. Yeah, me too. I'd love. I mean, I'd love to hear. Um, you know, th- like you said, I think Atlanta probably views Arcia as the safer choice. Of course, he was playing second base quite a bit last year um, after the Ozzie Albies injury, and actually took over for Grissom. Grissom had the awesome couple of weeks, but then the bat fell off and defensively Vaughn was playing out of his normal position. He's of course shortstop playing second base. So I didn't fault the team too much for that decision. But yes, I mean the, oh, it's not surprising (laughs) if you're paying attention. I'm like, you you guys literally wrote like four articles in every week about how great Vaughn Grissom was going to be. Yeah, yeah. here's the thing. We're all paying very close attention. The people that are mad about this are people that actually pay close attention. So like the fact that it's like, oh, if you pay attention, like, okay, guys, I promise you, at least you and I, Scott, are in the 1% in terms of people that are paying the closest attention to the Braves on planet Earth, I would say. If we were surprised, like how could anybody not be surprised, you know? Yeah. No, again, I kind of rolled my eyes at that a little bit, but you know, you mentioned what Arcia has done in a limited role with the Braves. I mean, if he if he put up a 94 WRC plus, which 
A reminder, 100 is average. So if he can be an average hitting shortstop and catch most of the balls hit his way, like you take that all day long, Agreed. Especially, especially with the rest of the lineup, uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. And just because Arcia is the starting shortstop, th- there's nothing to say that in a month, if he's struggling and, and striking out a ton and maybe defensively it's okay, but nothing special, and, and Grissom or Shoemake are doing really well in Gwinnett, then you can always swap these guys out. Um, you know, hopefully it's not a carousel situation where nobody has emerged and they're just trying to find someone to do the job. Uh, but it is a it is a real calculated gamble by the front office. Uh, as folks know, there were some massive dollars that flew around this this offseason, especially at shortstop and in the front office passed. They didn't sign any of the big four and they're hoping now very probably with their eyes closed a little bit, but really hoping that Arcia Grissom and or shoemake uh, step up and and even just do a perfectly average job nobody is looking for these guys to be superstars no one is expecting them to be you know in all-star voting consideration come july but they need something at a shortstop it cannot be a black hole this is very different than dh or left field where if you get a zero it's not a big deal uh, you need something at a shortstop yeah, and I think that um, to wrap it up, I think that's that is kind of the maybe the thought process is like they, they were potentially worried about Grissom's downside on defense. I think if you just go offense only, I trust Grissom's bat a lot more than Arcia's bat. But defensively, I think Arcia is probably safer. So that's maybe that's the choice. And um, I don't know about you, I won't be surprised if we see Von Grissom at some point fairly soon. But it all kind of depends on how Arcia plays and how Grissom looks. And I do think that Arcia, for as much as I've been, I've been probably seen as being very low on him. Um, I think that he's probably going to be adequate as far as like a guy hitting ninth and playing a capable shortstop. He's not going to blow anybody away, but I think that he should be fine. I'm not terribly worried about it. It's just kind of the process thing. It's not about Arcia. I think him as a utility guy is pretty valuable and that's totally fine with me, but we'll see. And hopefully he, uh, look, if you like, if you like the world on fire early on, no one's going to care. And he did mash against the nationals last year, just for a, just for a one-off. He did kill them. Uh, I think multiple times. So they, they, uh, I guess non-coincidentally face the nationals to open the season. So maybe he goes yeah. like seven for 14 in that first series and nobody cares. I was going to say, this is a chess, not checkers move. Oh yeah. RC is going to be there for three days and then uh, they're going to make the switch. You know, no, we just wanted Orlando in there against the Nets because I, I really do think he hit like 500 against them last year. I'm or looking something it up crazy. right now. Yeah. He had a, he had a 12 43 OPS against the nationals in 40 at bats last year that's pretty good he hit, he hit five home runs against the nationals scott do you do you know how many home runs he hit overall last year uh seven he hit nine so he hit more than half of his home runs last season against the nationals in about one fifth of the bats so uh he yeah. killed them basically yeah and if you took that away uh, the numbers won't, won't be very great but hey listen all he has to do is hit the nationals this weekend that's all that matters that's right all if right. he wants to hit five home runs this weekend it would be uh it'd be a pretty cool start no one's going to care if he mashes. I'll say that about every everyone we talk about always. Brace fans will not care about the drama if he performs at a high level. Okay, we'll move on from all of this and get into our predictions for this com- for this upcoming season. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Scott, this is an annual tradition that we do. These are mostly wrong. That's kind of part of the fun. Um, we can add things in if you want to, but uh, we'll kind of go in uh, no particular order here. And uh, we usually do like a breakout pick or maybe an overachiever pick kind of thing. I will give you first dibs on this. You cannot pick someone who's already a superstar. That's my only, uh, Katie Ronald Acuna has a breakout pick, Scott. I won't, I won't allow that. <laughs> yeah. But anybody else is on the board, uh, the, the floor is yours, my friend. Your breakout pick for the season. Yeah, so... Behind the curtain here, you and I started planning this podcast really about a week ago and starting to outline what our predictions were going to be. And, and I'm, I am happy to say that I picked uh, Eddie Rosario and the left field carousel of Rosario, Kevin Pillar, Sam Hilliard, Jordan Luplo. I think the group is going to be much better than what is expected. And for reference... Objectively, Fangraphs ranked all of the left field situations in the major leagues, and the Braves were 29th. They're 29th. The only team they were ahead of is the Texas Rangers, who are starting old friend Robbie Grossman, which is a little crazy to think about. Um, but you know, Eddie has had a tremendous spring. He's homered back to back days uh, since returning from the WBC. He had a couple of home runs. In the WBC, defensively, there have been no no miscues. And it is obvious, I think becoming more and more so by the day, that last year, I, I'm hoping and I think, was just kind of a complete and total aberration. Uh, his eyes, having the major reconstructive eye surgery, he was really bad those first couple of weeks. And then to try to get up to speed in the middle of July after missing three months is really difficult um, so my my prediction for a overachiever or a breakout, and maybe this isn't a super bold take after the last few weeks, is that Eddie Rosario is going to have a really nice year. I know friend of the program, Mark Bowman, tweeted he was going to predict 30 home runs for Rosario. I don't know if I'm that bullish, but I could see 20, 25. And if he's providing power at the bottom of the order, I mean, this lineup just gets so much better. Yeah, and you know that might sound a little bit aggressive. Uh, what Bowman said about thirty home runs, but Eddie has hit thirty home runs in his career. Like he hit thirty-two home runs with the with the with the Twins. He hit twenty-four the year before that, twenty-seven year before that. Uh, he was on a pace to hit about twenty-five in twenty twenty-one if you combine like his full season pace. So like, yeah, it's, that's not insane. And I think that Eddie having a bounce back to just being a league average hitter would be acceptable for me. I think you might be able to do more than that. So yeah, I'm, I kind of, I'm with you on that one. I will go a different place just to stay on brand. You know, if Kyle Wright is your guy, uh, my guy's Ozzy Albies. So I will go with Ozzy again for like the 10th consecutive season on this podcast as my overachiever pick. It's a little bit of cheating because I think he actually is a star level player, but he's not thought of that way, which has always been kind of my, my baseline with Ozzy is that he's been underrated his entire career, I think, especially nationally. Um, I think he looks good in the spring. He's even taking some walks, which is nice to see. That's a small sample size. It's spring, it's spring numbers, whatever. But my operation always is that if Ozzy is healthy, I think he's going to be at least 
a three win player at second base, if not upside beyond that. And uh, that's a really good like fringe star level player. And I think he's gonna be back to that this year after a little bit of a hiatus in the wilderness. So I will take Ozzy. Is that cheating? Do you think am I allowed to do that? No, because as you said, I think nationally he is not as appreciated as he probably should be. And last year, I mean, really the last two of the last three years, he's not been healthy. So I, I like that a lot. It's uh, certainly on brand for me. Um, it's, I guess you can't take Kyle Wright anymore for breakout because he kind of bro- he already broke out. So that's uh, I was proud of you for going somewhere else. Thank um, you. Uh, yeah, okay. Dude, I want to throw out another. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Not overachiever because this is also a really good player and has been for a couple of years. But in terms of an unexpected bonus or unexpected positive outcome, and uh, maybe I'm not phrasing it right, but here we go. I think that that Sean Murphy is going to become extremely valued by fans and obviously by the organization because what he does defensively, I think in the next couple of days, once the season begins, I think it is going to be such a foreign game because teams are going to be running on the base paths in a way they have not done in a couple of years. I think stolen bases are going to go up with the new pitch clock and the emphasis on no, pitchers can't stand there and shake off a catcher five times anymore or they get a violation. Um, so they need uh, Murphy and Darno, but in particular Murphy, because I think he's going to end up getting maybe 65 or 70 percent of the starts behind the plate. You know, I think we are going to very quickly come to appreciate what Murphy does behind the plate. And then offensively, you know, we saw the power. He had a home run today. I think he's going to be I mean, he's going to be in a golden position hitting fifth or sixth in the order most days with the guys ahead of him and even behind him offering some protection. But I think it is not going to take long for us to really appreciate just how good and how valuable uh, Sean Murphy is going to be. Yeah, we are in lockstep there. I think people, I think even Braves fans have not quite figured out how good Sean Murphy is, even if we're all kind of yelling it. This is a guy who was a five win player last year there are not many five win players in major league baseball every year. Um, you know what I mean? Like if he just does what he did last year, he's a superstar basically. And he's not thought of that way, but I think uh, given, you know, the position and all that stuff and what you just said about the, the way the game is changing, he could be uh, extremely valuable for the Braves this season. Um, we're only going to do one semi negative category. Uh, you and I sometimes get accused sometimes, just, just not, sometimes get accused of being a little bit negative, Scott. So we're only going to do one of these, but I have to ask you to happen. uh, I have to ask you for a player, anyone on the roster that you think might fall short of what people might be thinking, or if they're that you're maybe a little bit lower on, doesn't mean they have to be awful or anything like that, but just someone that you don't think of maybe as highly as everybody else does. Yeah. And it's, um, I hope I'm wrong because I really like this player and he seems like a really good human being. I am starting to think that it might be the end of the road for Charlie Morton. Boo! Boo! And look, I mean, he's he's 38, 39 years old. There are not a ton of pitchers still throwing at a high level at that age point. I don't have to rehash his issues from last year with the walks, the hit-by pitches, and then the home run was really the main thing. Um, I'm wondering if father time is knocking on the door. That being said, I don't expect the wheels to completely fall off, but Charlie was really, really good in 2021. We know of the struggles last year. 
I would lean towards it being more of a 2022 repeat than a 21 repeat. I, I don't think it's impossible for him to have a really nice year. The stuff is still good, but I do think we're we're probably seeing the end of the road for Charlie. And if he retires after this season, I would not be surprised. Yeah, I can't really argue against you. I'm higher on Charlie than you are, which is fine. But even I would acknowledge there are some downside there for the man, given the age and given last season's performance. Um, So no issues here. I think you uh, could be wrong, could be right. We'll see. Um, This is not a personal attack at you, but I was going to say Kyle Wright, honestly. Before the late start, so I guess I'll stick with Kyle right now because it hasn't gotten better. You know, I mean, anytime you get a late start for the season, it probably doesn't help your case. Um, and again, I gave that preface before we started this category. Like, I think he's gonna be pretty good still, but I, I am a little bit skeptical that Kyle Wright is the guy he was last year. And that doesn't mean he's gonna be bad, but he was what a top twenty pitcher in baseball last year, something like that. Yeah. Twenty five. Yeah. I don't think he's that good. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, but I think he's more of a number three starter, which is what he should be on this team. So we'll see. And he might maybe look silly, but his peripherals were a little bit worse than his production last year. And uh, candidly, this is tough for me because I am usually pretty skeptical. I had a hard time with this category because I really couldn't find anyone that wasn't obvious. Like I think you and I are both kind of out on Marcelo Zuna. And I think people kind of have thought about him. I've seen a lot of, I'm not sure if you, if you ever not, I've seen a lot of maybe not pro Ozuna, but like really optimistic Ozuna takes recently. Have you seen this? Yeah. I mean, to his credit, he's, he's had a good spring. He's, he's looked better for sure. But like, I think people are like ignoring two years of him being bad. Like not just like, a. it's not, by the way, this is nothing to do with off field. Like he's been a bad baseball player for two years and yeah. maybe he's not anymore. So I almost said him, but it's like, it felt like it was too obvious. And then everybody else, I'm kind of not, I mean, I guess I'm knock on wood. Yeah, I'm not really worried about anybody else. You know what I mean? It's kind of there's really not. And you know, it's funny that we both picked a different starting pitcher. You know, for, from my view, I have an impossible time seeing the lineup not being good to best in baseball. Would you agree? I mean, short of like insane injuries, I have a hard yeah. time seeing the lineup not being like really, really good. I, I agree, and that's part of why. Like, look. You know, we don't know, like maybe somebody has a down season in the lineup, whether it's one of the proven guys, your Olsen, Riley, Acuna tier guys, or maybe Michael Harris would be the one that I, I kind of almost thought about saying Michael Harris, but like it almost be disingenuous. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, I don't think that Michael Harris will be as good on a per game basis this year as it was last year. But like, what does that even mean? He was incredible last year. He was like right. the MVP level player. Right. Like, I think, I think both Harris and Strider, I would take the under on them last year. But like that's not even like a hot take. That's just kind of common sense. Um, so yeah, I'm with you 100% about the lineup. I mean, barring two or three injuries, I guess if you took like, you know, the 50th percentile outcome for everyone, it might be a, an average lineup. I mean, it'd yeah. be hard to see top, them being bad. Top 10, yeah, yeah. fringe top 10. So um, yeah, I don't know. I'm with you. It's it's. I mean, this is uncomfortable for me because we're not usually like effusively positive, but it really was hard for me to even try to find a got a pick i think morton is probably the obvious one because of the age and I, kn- I knew you were going there and you know Wright is kind of it's similar to harris and strider whereas like i think that was probably an outlier season but even then like i think i have a lot of confidence Kyle Wright being pretty good so it's not like i have anybody that i'm projecting to just fall off a cliff it might happen to somebody but i don't know who it's going to be yeah and you know we just talked about the lineup we talked about the bullpen and how deep the bullpen is now 
Now, Fangraph sees it as the best bullpen in the majors. Is there a world where it's just a pretty good bullpen instead of a lights out bullpen? Yes. Sure. Yes. Bullpens are weird, right? AJ Minter has been awesome for like three years now. By his standards, could he have a down 2023? Sure. Could Iglesias' shoulder never get right? Uh, Of course. I mean, there's so many variables, but I have a hard time seeing the lineup and the bullpen both not being top 10, top 12 units. And there's probably a world where the starting rotation is just okay. I mean, I I, I can't poke any holes in Max Fried's game. Um, Strider, as amazing as he was last year, he's you know this is his second year and it's going to be his first full year. Not that I think Strider's going to have a bad year. I mean, if if he's in the Cy Young race at the end of the year, absolutely right. Uh, but right again, only he's done it for one year at a high level. Morton is in his late thirties. And while we feel pretty good about the depth here, Schuster, Dodd, they've never done it before. We know that Anderson has his issues right now. Bryce Elder is about as boring of a fifth or a sixth starter as you have. And I think we're we're cautiously optimistic. And and to be clear, the rotation could be awesome this year. Like if if these guys, if Morton is better than he was and Wright is similar or even better than last year, I mean, this could absolutely be like a top five rotation as well. I just think there's a few more questions with the rotation than anywhere else on the roster. Yeah. I think if you're going to play the odds on picking a player to fall short of their baseline, it wouldn't be the dumbest thing to go just with every bullpen guy. Cause that's just like the volatility there. I think Iglesias even before the injury might've been a good regression candidate because he was so good last year. Like he was impossibly good. Maybe the best reliever in baseball. Once he got to Atlanta, same with mentor. The smart money on those guys would be that they won't be as good this year as they were last year. Um, kind of similarly to what happened with Strider, Harris, Wright, et cetera. But um, other guys, as we'll probably get into in a second, um, that are proven players, like, for instance, Ronald Acuna is a very obvious one, like to have a better season than he had last year. Ozzy, as a guy I talked about earlier, to have, I think the smart money would be on the over for him from last year as well. So anyway, lots of... Uh, Interesting stuff there. It's probably a good sign that there wasn't like a flashing light above, above anybody on the roster for us to pick. Um, all right, let's get to MVP. And I guess we probably could do MVP in terms of pitcher and hitter. I mean, not, not really Cy Young for an individual team, but you know what I mean? Um, I think there are two obvious picks, but I'll go, go ahead, Scott. I'll, I'll let you take the obvious ones. Go ahead. Yeah. Feel free. I was going to say, this is going to be a real shocker. <laughs> um, though I do think in the lineup, I said it earlier, like if you're telling me that any of Acuna, Riley, Olsen, maybe even Michael Harris are all like very legitimate MVP candidates. I mean, we, we should at least mention on this podcast that Matt Olson is having like one of the greatest spring trainings of all time. I mean, he, he's out of his mind and let's hope it rolls over. Naturally, Olsen, who I think has hit eight home runs this spring, he's going to go like three weeks before he hits a home run just because baseball is such a silly game. I, I just pulled his numbers, by the way, just to say them out loud on the podcast. As of Monday night, Matt Olson's numbers in spring. He has had 44 bats. He has 19 hits, 12 runs, eight homers, eight walks, and 10 strikeouts. Heck of a ratio there. And his OPS is 15.42. Yeah, that'll yeah, play. That'll work. Yeah. Um, no, I, actually, I was going to ask you this question. So we'll do it now before you give your pick. Uh, I have my number in my head about how many position players like we'll, we'll eliminate just for this purposes Freed and strider but like how many got how many position players do you think could be could be could actually lead the braves i'll say in fangraphs war this season how many different players can lead the braves in fangraphs war only position players in your mind Ooh, good question um 
I am going with five. I it, think my answer is either five or six. Yeah, my, my group, without doing like a deep dive on this, I would go with um, Acuna, Olsen, Riley, Harris, and Murphy would be my my group of five. Yeah, I think it's those five for sure. And the sleeper would be Ozzy. I think only because if he sure. was his best, absolute best self, I don't think if, if everybody has their best season, he can't do it. But yeah. like he he was worth what like four and a half wins in 2019. Like that could reasonably lead. To, I think he probably has a five win season in him somewhere, and that probably won't lead the team. But at least it's conceivable. That's um, just crazy to think too that a five war season probably wouldn't lead a team when it would lead like eighty yeah, percent of the roster. I don't, I don't think it will. I mean, if you did okay, same thing. Like, what is the percentage chance that five wins leads the Braves in WAR this year on Fangraphs? Like, that's not a very high number. I don't think. No. Just for reference, for people that don't like live and die with this stuff, last year, both Dansby and Riley were above five wins, and Harris was going to shatter five wins over, over a full season pace. Yeah. And that's without, and that's with Ronnie having his down season, et cetera. Like, you know, I think it's possible, and I'm not gonna, I'm not going crazy here. I'm not going to be fanboy. It's possible the Braves have four or five guys that post five win seasons. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's absolutely a world where that happens. Um, I'm taking, we talked about, we started this fun segment on yeah, we'll, most we'll valuable players. <laughs> bring it all back. Um, I, I'm taking Ronald Acuna Jr. You know, he got off to a little bit of a slow start in the spring, but towards the end of the WBC and then this last week of spring training, you know, he's looked awesome. He looks fully healthy. He had a triple to left field. He had a ball to left field, and I know it ricocheted a little bit, but he had a triple to left field. He was flying. The power is back. You know, before the ACL injury, Ronald was going to win the NL MVP in uh, award pretty easily, I think, in 2021. I think he's fully back. If you're telling me he's going to put up just a monster year, you talk. we talked about the new rules. And I think he's someone who very legitimately could do a 40-40 season. He, of course, has come close before. I mean, he's just such a talented player. And I just think last year was an aberration because he just didn't have his legs fully underneath him. He's, what, 20 months removed from the surgery now. He had no limitations this spring. He played center field in the WBC. So I'm going to take Acuna. If you're telling me that he's going to put up an eight-war year, uh, that wouldn't surprise me. He's just so talented. And when he's hitting the ball well, I mean, he might be the best pound-for-pound player, um, at least position player. I think Otani is in his own stratosphere right now because he pitches as well. But I I just – I think Ronald – you know, it's not a hot take, but I think Ronald's about to have a huge year. Yeah, I would make the same picks that you made, so that's not a huge surprise. I think those are probably the betting favorites. Um, I think that Ronnie, to your point – probably has the highest upside of any player in the national league in a one season sample. Like if he, if he has his best season, if every player has, has their best season, doesn't Ronnie have the best season of anyone in the national league? Ooh. I feel like he probably um, does. Yeah, probably. I mean, there, close, there's some I'm really... sure. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's like it's is in his own tier, but I think if you gave me Ronnie's best possible season versus anybody else's, I'd probably take his, I mean, you got, you got Machado, you got Arenado, you got guys and you know, you got Betts and Freddie and you got Trey Turner. Oh Um, God. Trey Turner. I don't know. He's, I mean, Trey Turner might be the only guy I think realistically because he plays shortstop and because he's so fast. Yeah. The defense might, might get there for him. Um, I mean, honestly, 
Uh, oh man, I almost said this. And I guess I'll just say it. Uh, I will. I will say Michael Harris is pretty high on that list. He is. I mean, if, because if of the he, defense. And if he takes another step offensively, and we talked about Harris a lot last weekend, but you know, if he can improve his plate discipline and command of the strike zone a little bit, I mean, you do the ceiling. The ceiling is the ceiling. <laughs> the sky is the ceiling. The ceiling for, is the roof, as you said. That's right. There you go. Uh, yes, I mean Michael Harris could. I mean, I don't. Uh, he's not nationally thought of as one of the best players in the league, but in a year, if we're talking about Michael Harris being a very real MVP candidate, I would absolutely buy, uh, buy it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at only one unnamed sports book. If you want to sponsor us, go ahead and sponsor us folks. Um, that has Ronnie as the number two MVP candidate right now behind only one Soto in the betting market. Um, you oh, go yeah. down, I knew down we were list. missing yeah. I knew we were missing somebody. Well, and... I was looking at last year's leaders and Juan Soto had kind of a bad season for him. So oh, that's yeah. why I wasn't seeing his name. But that's, uh, yeah, he's obviously a monster as well. But to that point earlier, his defense is not very good. So Ronnie's got the defensive lean on Juan Soto as far as like actual like sky high upside, maybe even Tatis as he comes back this year as well. Another name to look at. But, you know, Olsen's down there at 25 to 1. I do think, I'm trying to find his name on this list. Does he even have odds? Okay, Michael Harris is 45 to 1. To an MVP, I don't mind that pick. To be honest, that'd be a fun one. A couple, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think those are good picks that you made. Um, you mentioned Olson. I was going to mention if you didn't. I think he might hit 50 home runs. I'm not going to say that's going to be likely to happen, but that's his path. Same same with Riley. I think either if Riley or Olson is the pick here, it's because they hit 45 home runs, and they could. Either one of them could. So that's fun. There are options, (laughs) and I think Olson is going to really benefit from the lack of shifting or the yeah lack of extreme shifting teams are still going to shift. I mean, there was a play today with the Braves on defense. Arcia was standing basically an inch to the left of second base and fielded a ball that was hit like 10 feet to the right of second base. So it's not like little league rules where you have to stand in one position and can't move. But I do think the lack of the shallow right fielder, if you will, is going to help Olsen tremendously. Yeah. I think it was Mike Petriello today after Olsen had his eighth home run kind of tweeted like people are going to think that Matt Olson only got better because of the shift. And it's because it's more like Matt Olson's awesome. And that's why he'll get better because of the shift probably. And then like he'll have more singles this year, but like, I think he was due for a bounce back even without the shift change. Um, and he's gonna be awesome this year. I have pretty good uh, confidence in that. My, uh, my fellow Parkview high school alum, even if you believe erroneously that I'm more famous than he is. Um, you are. I'd like true. to see Matt Olson run a podcast. Uh, I, he probably do better than I would. He's a, uh, he's a good, he's a good <laughs> man. Okay. Um, um yeah, well, and then we'll do them. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, and then you know the, the pitcher. I mean, to me, there's two obvious guys. I mean, either one oh, of these. Oh two. come on, you got you got to give your guy at least a chance. I guess you know. I guess there's a world where Kyle Wright is even better. There it is. Come than on. he was, but I, I can't see Kyle as much as I love him, <laughs> and as somebody who picked him to break out like five years in a row on this very podcast. Um, and I think I would take Max Fried as. Boring as it is, I mean, he was number two in Cy Young voting last year. Um, just in the middle of his prime, so good, so efficient on the mound. But um, tell you what, as much as I like Max Freed, watching Spencer Strider take the ball every five days is like legitimate must-see television. I mean, baseball is a long season, 162 games. But, I mean, you're not going to see me missing any Spencer Strider starts. Yeah, I will do the short version here. Um, I think that Max is the correct choice 
um, as far as like the most likely player to be the best pitcher on the Braves roster. He has the highest floor without a, without any doubt at all. He has the highest median outcome. I do think that if Strider has his best season and Freed does, I think Strider is better. I think Strider's upside is higher than Freed's. Now that's just not anything about Freed. That's just how crazy Max, uh, sorry, Max Strider, uh, how, how crazy Special Strider actually is. His numbers last year were, as we talked about on the rotation preview, just out of this world. Uh, same betting site right now, by the way, Scott. Strider is fifth best odds to win the Cy Young Award in the National League. Fifth best. Behind uh, Alcantara, Burns, Verlander, and Scherzer. Freed is sixth. Wow. Higher. Oh, okay. There you go. I was just say, wow, he's higher than Freed. He, he is. Freed, Freed is sixth and Strider is fifth. So, yeah. Kyle Wright down the list. Kyle Wright 30 to one. Get your, get your bets in now, Scott. You're ready. There you go. I'm a rich Arizona, man. It's, it's, it's legal in Arizona. Go ahead and fire away on uh, I'll Kyle put Wright. Put the 401k on, on <laughs> Kyle Wright. You heard it here first, folks. No, don't do that. Poor choice. Uh, um, no, I think we covered it. I mean, those, those are the, obviously the, the candidates. I think it would be weird if somebody else made a bid and probably that means something went wrong with Max at the very least. If something like if someone gets in, maybe Charlie gets in the way back machine and has a great season. I wouldn't uh, be like over the moon about that. If I was the Braves, if he was their best pitcher this year. Yeah. But they have two real candidates. Kyle was a very strong number three. And if Charlie is Charlie, he's a great four. And if he's last year's Charlie, he's a serviceable four, maybe a five. So there you go. Good shape. Last thing, Scott, our uh, anticipated predictions on the season. Uh, it's a lot easier these days to not get yelled out about these predictions because the Braves are going to be awesome, and we kind of all agree on that, whereas in years past, and you remember this as well as I do, we would get yelled at by fans for being too low on the Braves. Um, maybe that will still happen now, but uh, I will give you the floor first for your win projection as well as NL East and any other hot takes you might have. The hot takes. Yeah, I mean, I think people who have listened to this podcast and really all offseason long, I I think they know how high we are on this team. Spoiler alert. I mean, it's a great roster, one through 26. Um, you know, the East, it, the Mets, even with their, well, I think losing Edwin Diaz is going to be felt by them. Um, and I really still like the Mets lineup. And I think the rotation, if they stay healthy, that's a big if with, couple of 40-year-olds and Scherzer and Verlander. But even then, I mean, I think the Mets rotation is deep. Now, the Phillies, uh, last year, we all know they got hot at the right time. I don't necessarily buy them as a legitimate World Series contender right now, especially losing Reese Hoskins. And we'll see just how good Bryce Harper is when he returns in the summer months. And then while the Marlins have improved, I just, you know, I just don't see a, a world. I mean, maybe if everything goes right for Miami, they could battle for like the last wild card spot in the NL. I just don't see it. And then the nationals are horrible. They're, they might be the worst <laughs> roster. Uh, I mean, legitimately, if you, I did a nationals preview for the website They're last bad. week. It's, yeah. it's like, I'm a big baseball fan and I could name like seven dudes on their roster. And if I wasn't a Braves fan who didn't see the nationals 20 times a year, I, I'm not sure I could do more than like three or four. Um, so they're very bad, but all of this is to say, I still think the Braves are the best team. I think they are the deepest team in the East. Um, I'm going to say they go 99 and 63. Let's all hope for our mental health sake that they don't start the year uh, under 500 for two months, because I'm not sure I can take a four months of needing to win every single night. But I do think they win the East for the sixth year in a row. There's just such a good blend of young talent and veterans and depth. 
Um, the, the Braves player development as well is just so, so good. You know there's going to be guys who maybe aren't in the mix right now who are going to make an impact at some point this year. So I'll say they win the East sixth year in a row, which is just crazy to think about this run that they are on. I still see the Mets as a probably the wild card one, and I think the Phillies are going to miss the playoffs. The, the NL is going to be very competitive at the top. Uh, no nights off in uh, <laughs> in this now expanded playoff era. Uh, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. No nights off, indeed. Uh, we are on the same page. Just to back up your takes on the Nationals, um, our friends at Fangraphs, and I'm sure that Meg Rowley, who, who is the managing editor of Fangraphs, would point this out. This rounds down, but currently the Nationals are given by Fangraphs playoff odds a 0.0% chance of winning the division. Well, 0.0. That, that's um, hard to do. I mean, it is it is hard to do. Uh, they are projected for, I believe, the worst record in baseball. Yes, sixty six point six wins. That's worse than the Rockies. Um, so yeah, you're you're right on the Nationals. I think coming into the season, uh, the A's are going to be awful as well. There are there are other competitors. The A's having traded Sean Murphy and somehow got got nothing back and a bizarre twist of uh, twist of fate. Anyway, um, regardless, the Braves. I think to not bury the lead too much will win the division again. I'm going to go with ninety seven wins. I think they have the upside to be a 105 win team. If everything went well last year, one one pushing all the way to the end, but also having that slow start that you referenced. Um, I try, I tend to be a little bit more practical on predictions and like, it's hard to flat out predict any team to win 103 games or something like that. In fact, I'm looking at the projections now that are in front of me and I don't think anybody is projected to win more than like 93 or four games on fan graphs and the Braves are number one on that list. So uh, that's always a good thing to be the number one team in baseball by these projections. So yeah, I'll go 97 wins division champs. I do think that New York is capable of beating Atlanta. Like they were last year. That was uh, obviously quite close at the end. Um, that's a good team. Philly. I'm also out on a little bit. I think uh, if you look around in the uh, betting market, for instance, like there's a lot, a lot of sharp money on the under on the Phillies win total this year. People don't really believe in the Phillies after last year. And it's a reminder that they also won 87 games the year uh, last year. So they were not that good of a team. They got hot at the end of, at the end of the season. So there's that. And Miami could be plucky. Like it wouldn't stun me if Miami beat Philadelphia head to head. I wouldn't pick that, but it, I, I would not fall on the floor if that happened. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, I think if the Marlins, even though they've struggled in recent years, if you put the Marlins in like the AL central this year, which is, or the NL Central for that matter, like with three, well, two horrendous teams and one pretty bad team. I mean, you can't tell me the Marlins couldn't be like a 500-ish team in an easier division. I just, I mean, they, a lot of things would have to go right for them well, in order to do it, but it's not impossible. Yeah, and also the the balanced schedule helps them. They, they don't have to face the Braves and Mets as many times as they used to. That does help the team like, the team like Marlins. They, they don't have to go through the absolute gauntlet they used to. They still play those teams a lot but it's not 19 times a year anymore with, with changes in the schedule. So that's a Thank benefit God. to them. And like the Orioles who actually are pretty good now, but like you know, the way it used to be, the Orioles would just lose, you know, 50 division games a year. And it's like, okay, you're just dead. Um, whereas now it's a lot more uh, egalitarian. We'll say that's, I'll use the SAT word of the day on that one. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, do we have to pick like world series? I mean, I, I think that this is going to be very unlike me, Scott. I think if I had to pick a team, to win the National League, it would be the Braves. I don't know if I would pick them to win the World Series if I had to pick one team, but it's pretty close. I mean, I might I might seriously take them, and that's too, it's so hard for me to be optimistic in public. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, I'm looking no, at these rosters. I, I think you. the Braves have the best roster in baseball. I really do. So Yeah, I do, too, um, it, which is 
And I think obviously the Astros, I mean, the Astros have been in it for years now. Astros and Yankees would be my number two and three in some order behind the Braves. Yeah. Yeah. The Padres, I mean, the Padres seemingly always have something go awry. But if everything clicks for San Diego, we talked about a team that could win 105 games. I mean, I think that could happen for San Diego. You know, the Dodgers, uh, this is the most mortal L.A. has been in like a decade they have a great couple players at the top of their lineup, but the back end is really shaky and questionable. The rotation isn't as deep as what it has been. Um, you know, you look around the Cardinals, I, I just don't buy them as a legitimate threat. The lineup is going to be good, but they just don't have the the top end pitching that is basically required in order to make a deep run in the playoffs. Now, even the bullpen isn't great either, which can cover up some of those rotation shortcomings. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, if I had to put money, I, I think I'd probably take the Braves and boy, the AL is just so competitively balanced. Uh, maybe the Astros. I, I like the Blue Jays a lot. I, if we saw a Braves Blue Jays World Series, one, it would be fun as hell. And two, <laughs> I think that would be, oh, there we go. For official takes, March 27th. Fun as hell. You heard it here first, folks. Fun as hell. Uh, Braves. <laughs> Braves, Blue Jays, Braves in six. We can figure out, uh, we can coordinate with the the 80 mile an hour buses that drove through the city uh, and maybe tell them to slow down a little bit after the parade a couple of years ago. Oh my gosh. That, that was, was incredible. Awesome. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think, look, it makes me, I'm not kidding. I am deeply uncomfortable right now with both of us picking the Braves won the World Series. I don't know how, I don't know how to feel about that. You and I are supposed to be skeptics. I just, I cannot pick against my own thoughts. And I think the Braves are the best team. Now I will say like just for a little bit of cold water, like I'm looking at fan grass projections right now. They have the Yankees as the team with the most projected war of any team. Padres two, Braves three. I think those, those four teams throw in the Astros, throw in the Mets probably in the Dodgers. It's like, that, that's my top seven. You get into like the Rays after that Cardinals, etc. It's still baseball. Like the best team doesn't always win. That's always important to point out. We said it before and got you know that, but I'll say it again now. The Braves were not the best team in baseball in 2021. They have to be the best team at the end. That's all that matters. Fly fly forever, but they weren't the best team. So being the best team does not clinch you anything. Just ask the Dodgers or ask the Yankees. They don't always win. Um, but yep. I think the Braves are the best team. So there you have yeah, it. I do too. And isn't that nice to say? You mentioned earlier this podcast got launched in like the darkest days of the rebuild. Oh yeah. And here we are six, seven years later talking about how this is arguably the best roster, have as good of World Series aspirations as anyone. I think on the betting markets, they're second behind Houston. And honestly, I think the reason for that is because the National League is so much more difficult at the top than uh than the American League is right now. But yeah, it's it's gonna be a fun year. I really do think we we opened the show with it. I think it's the most anticipated. It is certainly the most talented opening day roster uh, that we've seen in in years, maybe in 20 some odd years since the, the Maddox, Glavin and Smoltz days. Uh, but it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, we launched the podcast. I just, I just looked this up. It was February 6th of 2016. So we're talking about more than seven years ago. They were coming off a terrible season in 2015. They were bad in 2016. Carl and I talked about baseball and I don't even know what we said most of the time, but it's a, a different world. These days, we're covering a very good, very established team, and that should be a lot of fun throughout the campaign. Um, as we get out of here, we'll just note, again, we're recording this Monday evening. They, they play again on Tuesday as the final spring game. Charlie Morton is pitching. And then opening day is Thursday afternoon. 
So like, I think it's a one o'clock game on Thursday, Eastern, a nice 10 a.m. game for you, Scott, out in the West Coast. Love it. And then a uh, day off. I saw you making fun of this on uh, on Twitter, uh, I believe it was today or yesterday, about the uh, annual tradition of the Braves losing opening day and then having like a day and a half to get to get really mad. That's going to happen again this year, oh, yeah. maybe. So, yeah, for reference, the Braves have not won opening day since 2018, which is funny because of how good this team has been. And it also makes for like an insufferable 36 hours of takes. Like, <laughs> you know, if the Braves lose to the Nationals, we right, we just spent 20 minutes saying the Braves might be the best team in baseball and the Nationals might be the worst team in baseball. Yes. So when the Nats win six to one on opening day, you can imagine what the takes are going to be. Uh, but uh, for, for everyone's sake, let's hope really for the first time in a couple of years, the Braves get out to a stronger start. They don't go into May or June before they hit their stride. Um, and yeah, the, the the day off after opening day just kills me. It is the worst. I agree with that. Um, I will not, again, cite a betting partner, but the Braves are, uh, let's just say, rather large favorites in the early market on opening day because it's Max Fried making his third opening day start in a row against Patrick Corbin, who used to be good, but Patrick Corbin has the worst ERA by a starter in the major leagues over the last two seasons. 6.05 over two seasons. So uh, Braves are on the road. I will say that. But uh, they will be big favorites on Thursday. And if they lose that one, you're right. The takes will be inseparable. But we'll have uh, plenty of coverage. I believe we'll have at least one more episode, probably not with you and I, but I think Sean might have one between now and opening day on Thursday. So please, one more time, I beg of you, as a Scott, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast across platforms, even like auto-download the show across multiple channels if you want to help out the podcast. Also, if you know Braves fans in your life that have not found the show yet, please encourage them to check it out in the coming days. We do have... I mean, during the season, probably like five, six episodes a week. It's going to be very busy. That's always a good sign. You don't have to listen to all of them. But if you can download all of them, that's be uh, very, very helpful. Ratings, reviews, all that fun stuff. We also have a ton of written content on the site as well. Chris Willis and the crew, Ivan, everybody else. Do a great job. Batterypower.com. Scott, where can they, people find you if they're a new listener especially? But if they, uh, even if they're just not quite familiar enough with your work at this point in time, where can they find you on the Twitter machine and all those other places? Yeah, thanks to everybody who stuck with us during the off season. And if you are a new listener or picking up the podcast again. We're very happy to have you back. We do a great, I, I mean, the team, when I say we, I mean the team at batterypower.com does an awesome job with, with Chris and the guys and gals who, who do daily. I mean, if there's anything that happens in Braves world, uh, somebody on the team is writing about it, which is just such a great resource. I think as a fan of the team, especially uh, Scott Coleman, 55 on Twitter, um, yeah, 162. It's coming up. I'm, I'm glad uh, we have some real baseball here. And uh, it's always good to do one of these with you, Brad, and, and looking forward to a whole bunch more. Yes, uh, the plan is the plan that's been happening for a while. It's going to be most of the time, Scott and I, on Sunday evening or something close to that during the season. Occasionally, we'll have to move it around or have someone step in for one of us because life does happen. This is not our primary uh, mode of, uh, of work, so things do get in the way on occasion. But most of the time, you'll have us once a week, and then you'll have Sean three, four times a week. You'll have Chris and Steven once a week at least, and uh, lots of content coming your way. So thank you for listening to the podcast, everybody. We really do appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of this week, and opening day is upon us. Let's have a lot of fun together, and we'll see you all next time.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.